Hi there guys, welcome to Grupo Sanzalas Podcast, I'm your host, Mestre Pedro, and this is our episode number 36. On today's episode, I share with you a conversation that I did with a good friend of mine, Mestre Poncianinho. For those who don't know, Mestre Poncianinho is an amazing capoeirista, uh, he has been based in the UK since 2000, and... Uh, He's a jack of many trades, he's also a choreographer, a dancer, a singer, a full-round performer. And uh, we have a great conversation. We started because we, we share being born in a, in a family that is already heavily involved with capoeira. So that's where our conversation goes, starts, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it. Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Don't forget to share with your friends and subscribe. I share. Hi there guys, welcome to the one more episode here. Uh, my name is Pedro and today I have a, a, a special guest, an old friend of mine. Uh, that has been in the UK for, I think, the same time, arrived in the same year as me. Mestre Poncianinho, welcome. Thank you so much for making this happen. Thank you very much, man. When I got your message about this, I was very excited. Obviously, I'm yeah. sure we're going to talk a little bit about this, but we have a long story together. And uh, yes, 20 years now. I was going to say, well, I am celebrating 20 years of UK this year. So yeah. <laughs> we had this a very quiet not... celebration, but yeah, yeah, I'm like, still uh, celebrating. I was full of plans, you know, to do a yeah. massive event and like yeah, call all yeah. the friends, do this crazy <laughs> thing. And and then came this, uh, this two-leg sweep. Huh? That's right. What a hastere. <laughs> what a hastere. Is that one that's like before you go down, you go up and you have to figure out how you're going to land because yeah, the game right. is going to go on. And as I, as I was falling, I was also realizing that I lost about eight aeroplane tickets from Masters. <laughs> you get all the vouchers sorted. Well, I've got some of <laughs> I got some of them back, but I have lost some airplane tickets. There was nothing I could do, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, here it. we are. Here we are. It's been it's been good, and and it's crazy how fast the time has gone. You know, mm. like uh, we we just talking now beforehand how we've got families on the same age. That's you know, right. Uh, Thirteen That's and right. eleven. That's it. And, yeah, and uh, we haven't really met. We have to make this happen. It's, Absolutely. It's, uh, as soon as possible. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's funny now, because when we start talking about the similarities, mm -hmm. realize that it's not just, oh, we arrived in the same, in the same year in the UK, but also mm -hmm. we both uh, 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 were born in capoeira families. Yes. Uh, we always had capoeira from a very very like i don't i i cannot like people say oh, when did you start capoeira i i you know capoeira was part of my life from the moment that i can remember maybe yeah. not training on on a, on a in the academy but you know the, the 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 group that i was born into the the my uncles are masters you know yeah. brother-in-laws of of my father uh are masters and 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 i think it's more or less the same Right, like you when yes. you grew up, you you grew up in in Cordão de Ouro, and many of That's the right. masters became 
idols, you know, yeah. a, a role models, inspiration for, for Capoeira. And uh, up, to, up to a level, we shared some mm -hmm. common, common uh, uh, influence, I guess, because Cordão de Ouro was, was, a, was a, a, a considered influence on my, yeah. on my Capoeira, you know, that Absolutely. And, and, and meeting the old guard of, yeah. of uh, Cordão de yeah. Ouro, the, the yeah. famous, you know, that group there used to be yeah. uh, Sarará, Durinho. That's yeah. right, Sampaio, Sampaio. Sampaio, all of these people, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah, a, it's I, a great moment, Flavio, Flavinho. Oh, yeah, my godfather in Capoeira, absolutely. I, I do think a lot about that time, and I think I think you're right to say that we have so many similarities. And, and, in, and in fact, the more I think, uh, the more I've realized some of the really important similarities that we have, because we do come, sounds quite biased, but we do come from a really magical time of Capoeira. And I can tell you why I think, for everybody who is listening also, I can tell you why I think we come from a very magical time, because most of the things that now are very well established, they were just forming back then. So yes, the masters were there, the people were there, but I literally remember when Cordon de Ouro became, in terms of all the groups become Cordon de Ouro, I was part of that. I was very young, but I was yeah. part of that formation of where, I was part of that feeling where we go, Oh, so now all the students that now are they are masters, we can we can have the same name and the, the creation of the groups and the the groups grew bigger, and uh, also I mean specifically talking about your time, I would say when we study Capoeira of Rio de Janeiro at that time was absolutely, I mean the characters, the masters that you have seen and some of them that I have seen because they yeah. used to a lot of them used to come to Guaratinguetá, I mean yes. Mestre Leopoldini is, is Mestre Leopold, Ponciano's yeah. godfather. Yes, He's actually yeah. my, my uncle's godfather. So he was in my house so much, you know, and, and that's yeah. just one. Uh, so you, we were in a time where we were in a time where we met quite a lot of the real old gang. Yes. And we saw these new superstars of Capoeira in terms of the way they played so amazing. We yeah. saw the, the birth of these people. We were in that time. And I, I think it really does matter as children that although we were not as you said, training like adults because we were not adults. But once you've aged, in our age now, the memories and all of those, all of those moments that maybe even we can romanticize a little bit, but all of those things becomes so relevant. So now I now I actually remember conversations more. I remember uh, uh, things that happen in harder. And actually, to be able to see that through the eyes of a child that do a child that stays in Capoeira. And continues with capoeira, and then now we work with capoeira for many, many years. There yes. is something really beautiful about that journey of a child becoming a grown-up and actually being able to go back. And yeah. that was a really interesting time. And and I think some of our similarities as well. We both come from groups. For example, we both come from groups that like training. Training has been always a, a, a part of that. What connects us? We always yeah. it's interesting how before the class we. It doesn't take yeah. long for me and you to say, oh yeah, we want to train. You know, it's because we always we always coming back to this idea of practice. That's yeah. something that connects us as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it's uh, it's uh, because also, if I'm not mistaken, your father had an important role. I think he designed the logo of Cordon de Ouro. He played a role on, on the creation right. of Cordon yeah. de Ouro as well. And, and uh, that's I right, always, yeah. 
you know, in the Senzala group, you know, my father was, I always saw my father as the person that in the old days, you know, I remember Mestre Camisa there, you know, mm. Mestre Bayanonzol, Mestres that are no longer part of Grupo Sanzala, but they always would come, the meetings would always be in yes. my house. And, you know, so they, yes. they it seems like the, even the roles that they play within the group were the kind that, that would fix things or try to arrange things. And, and the, yes, but, but, uh, you you had like your training was when you started was really intense your training as a child or yeah. how was that for you i think i think i had i had two universe that was now that i again now that i think back and i and i write so much and this is something that's really have been so important to my career right now is to be able to write things and to go back into the moves because obviously we added things in our minds that the yeah. his, history is added as we we progress yeah. so how how accurate we can be to the past is a it's a really important uh, part of what is to be a historian of some sort or a journalist is to be able to be accurate but whether we add it or not there are things that there well actually thank goodness we actually have some evidence because there's a there's a few uh, clips from that time not many because nobody really had a, a video camera in my town when I was a child but we have we have some some evidence of that we have some videotapes of that time that just confirms how the training was but I feel very lucky that I had these two masters who is my brother my brother my father and my father's brother my uncle Mesponciano yeah. Mesantonio and at that time there was this two universe my father provided the real intense military type of training and Mesponciano provided the more uh, I want to say artistic but Mesponciano provided for the children at that time we did the performances the shows the maculele this the the this, the, the puxada de rede we learned how to meditate remember this is this is Brazil yeah. in the 80s where everybody was a bit of a hippie yeah, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. so you know so we learned to meditate we learned to go into nature so we had uh, we used to have this um with trips where it was all about nature and all about discovering discovering the these forces around us and then we also had the academia training so when i think back now i was uh, not just me but obviously everybody from that time really really privileged to be in a time of capoeira where we were with people that really were trying to educate us somehow yeah. I mean, one thing that I one thing that I always talk about, and this we have quite a lot of evidence for this, is that my father was Mestre Antoine was always concerned in bringing people there. So yeah. we had mestres. We always had your father. I remember Pedro. I have videotapes of this, but I remember fa uh, classes from your father from when I was twelve. I remember the class, the steps that we did. Mm. You know, this is this is not trivial stuff. This is really for someone who is now making a living out of Capoeira. This stuff really counts. You know, I remember the times even in, in my class in London where I used the techniques that I was learning at that time. We had mess cloud. We had obviously all the messes from Cordon de Ouro. So my father was always concerned with these things. So we were not bombarded, but we were full of information at that time yeah. and then we had to practice we had to train so uh, it was a harsh time but it was a time yeah. of intensity that paid off you yeah. know i joke with my students i say guys believe <laughs> you me 
Now, when I do these negativas, I know how it feels, but it, after some time, you are going to, it's the yeah. famous cliche, you will thank me one day. One day. <laughs> no, but it's, it is, it is uh, I mean, thinking about it, Guaratingata is, you know, strategically divided, uh, situated right yeah. between Rio and Sao Paulo. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I clearly remember, I, I remember first my father, telling me about Guaratinguetá and how amazing it was, you know, mm. because like the, the guys that might be listening this, uh, they don't, they don't understand, you know, it's hard to, I'm trying to give here some context because I think the year after I, I had the pleasure to go there many times and, you know, yeah. to go to a, you know, coming out of Rio, a big city and going into a, you know, considered like Rio, they are so full of themselves, you know, like, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. Londoners, they think like Rio is the center of the world. Yeah, but yes, I'm, yes, totally. When you go into, I remember coming down the gymnasium, this was like a, is a mini, no, a, a good sized gymnasium with, with a spectator seat. And I could see yeah. that place full. And it had, if I'm not mistaken, was five hodders, was a yeah. hodder of, of kids only a hoda of uh, only beginners, a, a hoda with only women. Uh, there was a hoda with graduados and a hoda with yeah. the, the special needs kids. That's right, yeah. And, yeah. and it was just amazing. I mean, just amazing. The team, the guys, a generation older than you as well. They yeah. were, I mean, it, it wasn't an outstanding performance what those guys could do you know oh my god well in terms of i remember yeah. this 12 guys hugging each other in line and this guy runs and does this dive yes. over everyone yeah yeah, yeah. Like, so impressive there's not even a special flooring he landed on on on, on uh, you know it was it was it was truly amazing yeah. and it, it it must have created also like uh, the level became so high because it was so many amazing guys and, and that's right yeah well the other day i posted something really strong. very strong and i post yeah yeah absolutely and i that's interesting you saying about rio de janeiro and sao paulo because in guaratinguetá being in the middle because for us sao paulo and rio these were i mean Again, I'm telling from the perspective of a child and a teenager, but I can, I, from, with, a, with a good um, also understanding of what my friends felt. So I'm not just talking for me, I'm talking about pretty much everybody in my school. These were big places. Guarach uh, Rio and Sao Paulo were, you know, we, we saw you guys differently. You know, yeah. we were from a small town. We were shy. We were shy about the way in, uh, inland towns. We were shy about uh, the way we spoke. You know, mm. uh, and uh, we always saw Sao Paulo and Rio as something a little bit more sophisticated. And but there was there was so so we we look up. We used to look up to you guys so much. Of course, you know. Obviously, that's quite often the case. You don't know what you have sometimes, and you look yeah. now you look up to someone else. And and this the opposite the opposite was happening. A lot of masters were saying how the capoeira was so outstanding at that time. And again, the the performance that you're saying that was the generation before me. And the other day, I posted some videos of the performance that they did in America with the Oba Oba shows. And there is the one where he jumps over these people. I mean, these people are doing things that people are still trying to, to learn today. Yeah. They, they, they still press. They were so ahead of their time. So ahead yes. of the time. These shows, people used to stand up and clap for 20. They could not believe their eyes. 
And, and how did it happen? Well, it was a group of people training by these minds of these people that just wanted to train them. And there's something about being in a small town that they wanted to excel. They wanted to perhaps to discover the world. And they did, you know, they, they became yeah. very famous. I mean, Emerson, all these people that you know, yeah. Emerson, you know, Carlinhos, Hodgman. I mean, Hodgman. the jumps, the, 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 oh my God, the level of capoeira was incredible. We, we remember going like that and they became our inspiration, you know. So we were very inspired by this generation before us, indeed, yes. You know, it, it, it was amazing. But, but uh, I, I, I feel that because when I met you and you were young, you were already like, you already a rounded capoeirista, you know, you like you had a, a good yeah. musical background, you had a, a nice Angola kind of style, you know, you and mm -hmm. like you say, you your your father-in-law, seu padrinho, mestre, mestre Tucano, né? Flavio Tucano, yeah. he was kind yeah. of someone you mirror and look up to, and, yeah. and, and yeah. I could see that. And yeah. and the, for me, I think that I came from a more spoiled a kid right. you know like kind of mm. i was born into this and mm. i you know tio peixinho uncle peixinho uncle gil right 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 but but uh, i was going to capoeira and i was there to raise kind of hell you know i like i like capoeira because capoeira in the beginning we used to train in a in a judo you know so like with mats you know was a judo academy yeah. my father was a a partner there and we used to play football in the beginning and i really liked i actually i mm. didn't start playing with my father i started with claudio moreno i don't know if you I have heard, man. Yeah, he yes. was uh, formado from Mesh Camisa, a dancer as yeah. well. I have seen him. I have seen him. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, but I remember this thing of when I was in my father's class, I was the kid raising hell, kind of misbehaving, kind of thing, and yeah, and and uh, and uh, I actually I became serious about training later on, you know, like after 16, 17, when I came mm. back, my parents came back to mm. the UK. But I feel like now that I'm paying my karma, you know, because like now my kids in the kids class that I do, they are the ones that are, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 instigating the, the, the mutiny in the class. The trouble, the trouble. Yeah. <laughs> so like, oh, now, now I'm on my position with my father and how he was. You're, you're looking, you're going, oh my God, yeah. this is just <laughs> the deja vu. Yeah, no, definitely. But <laughs> at the same time, it does feel like this insight of that I had from training because within my father, my father had a small group in Rio and in Rio as a whole, there were lots of capoeiras there and many capoeiristas from Mestre Peixinho, which, you know, within the group Sanzala is a considerable chunk of group Sanzala. Yes. But I remember that just for being able to go and spend time in, in Guara and also meeting the old guard of Mestre Suassu. Yes, yes. these guys yes. doing the, the dance, Dança do Fogo. Yeah, yeah. You know, warming up in a, in, a, in, a, in a bar across the street before Mestre Platinus thing and seeing the, 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 the real friendship that they had. You know, I, I was right. also an outsider, but you know, I know that yeah. like every big group there were stress among themselves, yeah. but the way that they would come in and, and just put on a show and play capoeira, yes. this and so different they yeah. were among themselves. 
Yes. And and then it started. Uh, I you know I remember. Then a couple of years later, Mestre Spihumirin comes around. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And blows everyone's head. You know, like because he was the opposite. Yeah trend you know like the trend of the capoeira being more aggressive and more yes, like yeah. it was always yeah. valuing the taller heavier guy and and that's right he comes in with 57 kilos one that's it and yeah. just blow people's minds off and and i and i yeah. and, and having the ability to see that and then go back to real and it made what my father was or, or at least the group it made me feel like okay I, i'm i'm definitely group sanzala but I, I'm also doing things that are slightly different than they are. And, and so I, I value them yeah. very, very, very much. And uh, that's uh, wonderful. It's really nice to see yeah. as well, like the, the impact of the teaching. Because yes. it was the time when my father was also focusing more in Angola and right. you know, doing the events with Jean Piquen, like the one in, in Cuba that your, your father came along and was yes. the first time that I met. And, and seeing the impact of training as well, because that mm. was the moment more or less when Mu Jin was being born, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I actually remember. So obviously, uh, some of the we can we can even see Mu Jin being spoken about and being developed somehow in the early I'll say early eighties, but I would say because they already did things like that in the eighty eighties, which when my father became a teacher. But yeah. for example, talking from my perspective, I remember. When I first started to hear the masters and Master Sun himself saying to me, now we're doing this and you've got to play more like that, 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 that give me instructions. And I, and I actually remember very clear that in 1990, I remember that, I remember coming back from my school holidays. I didn't take much holidays because we didn't, I didn't travel or anything like that. But I remember, I think I had a couple of weeks where I went to to uh, uh, my mom's house and uh, stayed there. And then I came back to train. And I remember when I came back, they were playing. And I remember, I remember this very clear, this different sound and this, I knew something was different. <laughs> and uh, and then I just played. And some of my friends mocked me a little bit and went, you don't know what you're doing there. You need to do like this. Now it's this, yeah. called Mew Jin. This is the rhythm. Yeah. I remember that. I literally remember that. So, so that was the time, the 90s was the time where, for example, in 1992, Mespio starts to travel so much. That's when we started to get him going to America and travel a little bit. And he starts to become more uh, more and more relevant around what happened to Mew Jin. Of course, you fast forward 10 years later in 2000 is when I started to, when every time the telephone uh, uh, called, it was something to do with a workshop related to that. So I started to travel quite a lot for that in 2004 was a very important point for me because it's when I went to America for that. And I was thinking, oh, this is interesting. Well, it wasn't just for that, but I knew that the classes that pe people wanted to, to have with me were classes related to floor movements, fast floor movements, contortionist stuff <laughs> of Capoeira. It was all related to the new gene, of course. And, the, and the, where in America did you, did you get to go? To travel so i went the first person who brought me there was master glauber and was new york yeah so i went to new york and i, I it was was for me it was a big deal now you yeah. know and i was thinking wow and so i went there and then i was teaching a class and you can just imagine how i was just trying my 
that I was trying to impress people, of course, you know, and that's, there is this energy, there is this energy that as you mature more, you, you see differently. Uh, but obviously I was trying to leave a good impression of, of this style of what, how to move in this style teaching as well. But every time I went into the hall, I just wanted to turn myself inside out and just, you know, show people the, the strength of that, but also because it's something that I enjoy, something that I love, you know, so it wasn't yeah. just showing a message. It was also part of what made me a capoeirista really. And it's important as well to notice that I think, you know, like, so this is me, uh, I'm saying this on my own just for, you know, because people of might course, hear yeah. this and say like, oh, Mestre is saying that this, but no, I no. feel that Mestre, you know, my father being the one that would go and do, yeah. try different stuff. Yes. In my house was also the place where Mesh Peixin would come to train. My father had the swimming pool, you yeah, know, yeah, had a, yeah. a third floor as well. Yeah. You know, the guys from Guará, from São Paulo, stayed there many times. Yeah. But uh, so I think, you know, like the, this this influence of the Mu Jin kind of yeah. slowly came and was felt in, in the Mesh Peixin's work through yes. the, the, the research of the Jogo de Dentro. You know, I think which so in a too. way, Miujin is is a yeah, is, yeah. is an offshoot of 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 Jogo de Dentro. Yeah, but it, it's nice to see how things impact. Cause like, okay, Mesh Peixinho made this, not in the same. Didn't had like sequences, pre you know done. Yes. But it was the idea. Okay, let's force the student not to to force them to have a, a bendy back and be able to play inside in a yeah, comfortable way. Right. And he created some rules or you cannot sweep, for example. Right, right, uh, right. Uh, um, but it's, I think Mujin is a very good example of how a, a system is very good to create the vocabulary for a good kind of move. And, yeah, oh, but yes. with understanding that at some point you need to break that mold, you know, once you once you've done that mold very good, is because it's time for you to grow out of it. Yeah, absolutely. That that's one thing I speak. Uh, uh, that's something that I spoke quite a lot, because obviously the Mu gene when I started this idea of the Mu gene, it wasn't established in the same way. And this is something that even Master Suna himself always spoke about. That it wasn't that he you know sat down and just created a star. It wasn't this. It was his idea of making people play close and smaller. Yeah. And yes, he gave a different flavor. He gave some uh, uh, his own uh, artistic, his own artistic creation there, his own artistic mind. But nevertheless, what he was saying is, is, is it's almost like if I say to you, I want my students to play a certain way. So I start to then develop uh, trainings and sequences and they start to adapt to that. And then we then, naturally that took a name on its own mm. so in in some ways the the idea of the museum was born a little bit like in some ways that we can say how the idea of capoeira itself was born in terms of things that were happening arranged themselves uh, a form of resistance to something and then picks up a name uh, and then the names become attached to that rather than creating as a name because all museum really means is something that is little you know, I used to be quite proud that Mugin rhymes with Poncianino. <laughs> and you worked around the slogan. That's right. I did work around that. I worked around that for quite some time. <laughs> uh, so this, uh, so then it, 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 that a name was attached. But the one thing that was always there, from what I remember, is that it was the freedom in the game. And that's what we loved the most. I have to say, 
at least in Guaratinguetá, we trained the sequences, but almost always the game was not the sequences. The games were, uh, you know, there were moments of the sequence. Yes, yeah. there were moments of sequences, exactly. Uh, uh, there were moments of performance, but there was a lot of there was a lot of freedom in that game. And then something that I saw later, it's when I used to say, well, let's be a bit more careful of not just doing the sequences. Or this is another, I think, point that is important, especially for practitioners. Let's be careful to not just do the cool movements and not repeat them so much. So I've realized that sometimes in one game, people were doing 10, the game, there was less, there was more backbends than Jinga, or there was more backbends than something else. And I was thinking, mm. that's not how, that's not how I have learned. I've learned that you've got to blend this that's into cool, this man. rhythm. Absolutely, the broken, the, the broken shingas, yeah. which is something that there's such a beautiful influence from Escanjiquinha there. So all of this tap dancing of capoeira, all of this, yeah. you know, this is such a beautiful thing. And, and so there is a danger in making something like that, becoming again quite square. So we have to be careful with that. So yeah. we never break that. So yeah, so there was, there was uh, again, something that became so established. Yes. And the fourth generation, the fifth generation, sometimes have to go, that's why we have to go back. So we rescue some of those elements that were there. I mean, if you see the people that were playing the music at that time, this is an interesting point, I think, because even those who could not do the movements in terms of acrobatic stuff and in terms of backbending stuff, they were amazing Mugin players because they became yes. so small in their own way and they had so much creativity that you, didn't, you did not judge them because they couldn't do this movement or that movement, you didn't. They had some personality in the game. I mean, these were people that looked to you in a way that made you feel just the way they looked to you when they played. They they, yeah. they turned their heads. You know, it's fantastic. It's really creative stuff. And and it's really nice to see because you know you were a, a, a jack of many trades, right? Like you you had this singing background. You were like a a crooner. Is a crooner a crooner, right? In the boat. Well, sing, <laughs> dance. Yeah. And, well, I, I think what happened, uh, go on, finish the well, question. What I was going to say um, is like, you had the, the, the dance side of it and then you became a, a, a choreographer. And yeah. I have, you, you mentioned that, that trip on Liverpool when we were there, I think Mestre, yes. Mestre Nestor was there, right? Mestre Nestor was there, yes. Yeah, and and uh, the, your piece, was it the Guarani? It was Guarani Dance Company. We performed the Patois. I, I still yeah. have nightmares of that dance. I know it's the little thing that she, and, and, and there was like it's kind of like sometimes the capoeira moves. And I remember I had the, the privilege of you know when I was 16 to go to uh, uh Suasuna's place in in, uh, in Sao Paulo and train there and and get him how he would describe the the describing a movement or trying to express a feeling how he would transform himself you know mm. like he, uh, Suasuna yeah. was a guy I mean is is a you know a guy that you can see how he had he can go from like the sweetest guys to yeah turn you know but he was That's he right. was showing this thing about you know becoming a, a how Master João Pequeno was saying oh it's all about imitating some of the animal moves you know right. like he was talking about how the expressions uh, yeah expression how and, and and seeing little things and i remember to the days i just have this scene of of Mestre suasuna becoming like a, a, a eagle 
you know, and he, he would right. just by the way he opened his arm and the little things that he would do. And yes. so yeah. I could see that. Yes, in, in yes, that yes. How piece. interesting. How interesting. How, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that dance piece, it was quite, there was a, a dark, there's the beginnings, not so much, but then there is, there is a, a moment in the middle that is quite dark. And that's because, well, it's called Patois. So I wanted to talk a lot about the symbolism of the, this necklace that protects you. Uh, there's, there's so much history, but obviously we're talking about Bizouro as he had the Cordon de Ouro. He's, he's called Cordon de Ouro because of the, the, the Patois, because of the, this amulet that protects him. But he's Bizouro, so he could transform himself into a beetle and fly away. And I just, two ideas that was quite strong for me was that to have something so powerful on your neck, which is between your mind and your heart, between reason and, and feeling, it's something that carries a strong weight. And the fact that he can transform himself into an animal, I wanted to capture that time. So obviously these are, are uh, very powerful metaphors and they are uh, uh, powerful storytelling, right? So there's something yeah. about a superhero that he can, he has super, he has magical powers. But I was also thinking, wow, there's something quite weird and obviously weird about this transition. What is the transition of human to an insect transition of a human to to an animal and fly because it's we're not just romanticized of I'm transforming into an into a beetle. Yeah. So I was thinking there's something there's also something quite sad about the fact that he had to transform himself into a creature to escape and and escape from what from then we go into politics yeah. and the society. So there's all of these things they are inferring the piece that is the the darker side of having the darker side of needing an amulet to protect you, of needing to transform to protect you. So this is why there was a, a time there that it becomes quite um, weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but it's really powerful stuff and a really, yeah. really nice uh, piece. But uh, but oh, uh, the singing before before I forget the singing. Yes. To be honest, to be honest with you, I think I had. So I had. Most people know these stories. I I I, I have said many times, but I. I, my mother is a dancer. The, the dance thing becomes comes with my mother. So, you know, there is a film, I'm sure a lot of people have seen, but some have not seen. There's a short film that was done by Channel 4 and uh, Mare, Mare Kate, who is the director, and she and Azul Serra. There's a, a, a film called Memorias. And in that film, you can you can check if you put memorias Ponsenin, you see it was Channel Four and ba mentored by Bafta, and in that film there's a there's a clip, okay. which is a child watching a, a a mother dancing, and that's representing me. And it's actually my mom is in that film. Wow. My mom is there during the scene, and that's something that I remember. I remember going to to watch her classes, and I remember her saying to me, "You need to be quiet now because mom is going to teach." And I remember all of that universe of dancing being something that fascinated me. I loved it, the music, you know, it was movement. Before I knew movement was the language that I knew how to speak, really. It was movement. It was, I mean, the earliest memory, as you said, like the earliest memory you have of yourself as a child is related to capoeira, being in a capoeira environment. And it's the same with me. Earliest memory that I have of doing something that is creative is in a capoeira studio. 
Mesponsonish too. He starts the class by laying us down, and then some classes. And we had to pretend to wake up, to go to work, and lift your arms, and then pull the the net and start to move the body, all with the drum. I mean, think about that for a child. You yeah. know, you are five years old, and you are every day pretending to wake up to the sound of these drums playing. You know, this stuff is very powerful. Yeah. So the dance side came from my mom. The capoeira side, of course, from my fa my father's side. But the one thing that I always felt that I could not do is to sing. And the very first expression, the very first artistic expression in my life was my grandmother, who was a singer. Amazing voice. Her voice was identical to Dalva de Oliveira. She's a really beautiful singer. And it, this, this is the first time in my life that I used to see someone performing. So I used to go to her radio, her radio shows, and I remember the red light comes on, and I remember my grandmother all dressed up singing. I remember thinking, I didn't know what that was. And that was the one thing that always intimidated me. So when I went to work on a cruise ship, to cut the long story short, yeah. I met amazing singers. I met professional singers. And that's when I started to discover the I wanted to sing. That's it. <laughs> And they were teaching me a little bit. So I'm not a singer, but yes, you're right to say I did work. <laughs> as a cash of like 40 yeah, all of, and stuff. I did all that. <laughs> no, it's great. And you arrived because I arrived, I think I have this date in my head. I don't even know if it's accurate. 16 of May, 2000. You arrived about the same time, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it was, it was yeah, it was around that time. I'm not sure the date it was 16, but it was in May 2000. Yeah. Yeah. No, and we, we I, I know, like you, I remember uh, at some point you even like say, oh, Pedro, maybe you should come down here. Because I wasn't sure whatever, you know, like things when you were 25, oh, I'm going to go. Yeah. The plan was, was to go to London. Yeah. And, and then, but then there was considerable amount of work back there in Scotland. And I ended mm -hmm. up staying. You, I think the first workshop that I did there, I did by inviting oh, you oh yes absolutely and, and, yeah uh, amazing yeah it, it's uh it's uh it's amazing how you know sometimes if you tell your students look yeah. this is the way and yeah you know here i find in the west people are much more likely to take you to to doubt of you you know mm -hmm. than in the east in the east they they will listen to you and they will see that you are accurate okay so you back it up, it's right. fine. But here I felt that people always kind of, which is fine too, they would just like, don't necessarily, yeah. well, they would question more. But then when you right. came over and you did the workshop, you know, it was the best thing that happened for me because then I didn't wow. need to tell my students, like, you need to work hard. They were coming to me as like, master, I right. really want you to to push us that, that push hard, push you know? <laughs> so like, okay, that's, right. uh, that was How really, really good. Um, yes, but this comes yes. into what we were talking about this idea of what it takes to be good in capoeira. Because I think capoeira, mm. when you are a beginner, trying to see it from the eyes of a beginner, he goes into the environment and he just is overwhelmed with the energy, right? The heart yes. is there, the, the music he can see, yes. it's almost like a magical thing. And you will see people doing stuff that they never thought it was possible. It's like, wow, I got a capoeira bug, I gotta train this. 
but they get a lot yeah. is, is addicted to that kind of we'll say not, not I don't want to say circus, but like the full battery, the full mm. all of that attraction, that energy that it has, the camaraderie that goes afterwards, you know, getting together and all this. But a few, very few are willing to do, you know, what it kind mm. of takes to get up to a certain yeah. level. Because I, I remember back in that day, you know, like lots of university students, freshers, and one kid was a bit like kind of, you know, not the fittest looking kid. He asked, what does it take to get good in Capoeira? And at that time, I, you know, being in Europe here for about a year, that question was asked quite, quite regularly. Hmm. And, and I, I gave the same answer that I gave to everyone. I said, look, what my father told him, said, look, you gotta, you gotta have a, a routine of training on your own. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter. You can start with 20 minutes, two times a week. But every two weeks, yeah. you increase 20%. When you yeah. reach five times a week, three hours a day, you give me a call. You know? mm. And mm. and that particular student, a few months later, called me on a Friday, a bit breathing deeply, you know, heavy breathing. Uh, and, you know, he's like, oh, no, because you told me to call you when I, and this is the first week that I did five, so cool. you know, three hours, yeah. five days. And he is one of my, you know, my top students, errors. I think you, you. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Who really transformed himself. Yeah. And now, th this whole talk is to talk about now this double leg sweep yes. that was the lockdown and mm. the inability of being together and, and yeah. not having the frame and then how the different students, even advanced students are reacting yeah. differently. Yeah, I really, I really hope this, I really hope, of, I mean, I'm sure people will love this talk and they will stick around for this part because this yeah. part is so relevant, yeah. um, you know, that I, I, I wanted people to know from, from the beginning of this talk, how this, this part is really so relevant to what is happening now. Now, what you said, I really resonate to that so much. Obviously, as my personal history from training, and then my, there's a because we have we have this also two words that are one, but we have the capoeirista. We are capoeiristas ourselves, practitioners, and we are teachers. This is this can. There are times where these two words are separate. There are times where I'm in a hoda that I'm not seeing, and I don't want to see myself as a teacher. I'm a capoeirista. I'm there as a capoeirista, and then I have the times where I'm there as the teacher, and it depends of the environment and everything, but we have these two words. So I have this journey that I can remember and recall and practice and teach as a practitioner, and I also have things, for example, as a teacher, there are things that I teach my students that I that I went through that they don't have to go through. They, are the, they don't have to go through everything that I went through to be able to learn. There are things that I've learned that they were a mistake and they were not so good and they were uh, bad in some ways. And then there are other things that they absolutely have to go through in a certain, in a, in a way, because I think this is essential for them to go as, a, as an artist, for, essential for them to go as a physical art. Remember, we're talking about something that is a physical artist, you know? So every art, every, every craft requires its practice, but with physical art, it's, your, it's flesh and blood. You know, you can play the guitar and you can just change the string, but your your body, there is something else that we have to consider that. And the reason why you're talking about practicing, 
the elements that you said about the West and the East and the way people think about training and practice, that's why part of my whole life, these, I would say, last five years and definitely this year, became about how do I inspire, motivate, teach people to practice? My whole life, almost every, apart from my, my, my time with my family, apart from those times, every waking hour, it's to do with how can I improve as someone who trains people, who, who educates people in how to, to practice and how to practice. And you are so right to talk about practice on your own as well. This is a very important part of practice for me as a teacher and as a practitioner. And now I learned something in Capoeira, which is there is definitely something about the, if we, if we look at the great Capoeiristas, the sophisticated artists, the, the strong Capoeiristas, they're the masters. If we look at all these masters and masters, they, there is something that they do have in common. One of them is the level of practice. It's almost undisputed, mm. the level of practice, okay? And you can, you can see the different places, how they influence different styles, but nevertheless, the level of practice is there. So it, it's, in the, it's, it's so important to understand that that's where we depart. And then once we get that, once we know that we have to see, roll up our sleeves and, and get to work, and then comes all the fun parts, which is how do we best get to work. But there is something else in common with all these Capuristas, which is the ability to transform. Now, this is not just romanticizing. This is really, I think, is a very powerful part, which is the idea to transform things that are negative into positive, to flip to the positive, to flip yeah. to the better situation. So we have lots of um, interviews where someone like Messron Grand would say, uh, well, there was a time where I had to work in that place and I couldn't do capoeira. I would wake up two hours earlier to practice. And these people were constantly arranging things in their lives to have the least amount of excuses possible, least amount of excuses and to just say, this is what you've got to do. We have this in Capoeira music. So many songs tell us to shake the dust and get on with it, to get up from a fall. We have music, we have rhythm, we have philosophy, we have history, we have masters, all leading to this direction, which is basically to practice. So yeah. I want to say one more thing about this. I started, there was a time in Zoom. Now, I appreciate how this may sound biased, because I'm working with Zoom at the moment. So I understand yeah. that. But there was a little time after a couple of months where, you know, some people had enough. And I understand that. People, yeah. uh, I mean, I want to be in a studio. I understand that. And I was I was starting a class and I was going, oh, thank you so much, guys, for, you know, pushing your furniture and, uh, you know, being in this space. It's, I know it's hard, blah, blah. And I've changed that. I'm, because I feel that if we never had the Zoom thing, we would have missed out on a lot. I yeah. actually think that if we never had this technology, absolutely, if we didn't have this technology of me being able to train with Messi Antonio in Guaratinguetá there, with the people behind him, supporting him, so many people that we've supported as well in Zoom at the moment, lots of yeah. masters. We did class with Messi Brasilia. All of these things that 
otherwise we couldn't. So I'm not thinking anymore, oh, thank you so much for pushing your furniture. I think we've got to, let's push the furniture yeah. and let's do some training. Let's just, let's just get on with it. Rethink the prioritization and like what, what's your priorities? Because I understand people don't want to make a mess in the, in the house. Yeah. That's fine. But at yeah. the same time, if you're going to stay one year, yeah, and you yeah. are in lockdown, or you're not being able to go out and exercise. Like them, were, yeah. were, you know, the them the coffee table, you know, move the coffee table out, oh raise your God. bed. That's it. Uh, uh, but at the That's same right. time, it's it's a, it's a challenge one because we. I feel the same. I feel that the only way we can really have a a, a positive, lasting impact is by influencing. You know, it's by this right. by influencing. I mean, by yes. showing. You know, leading by example, yes. you know, Absolutely. What, what, what I mean. But at the same time, it's hard to deal when you don't have the expect, like what you expect people to do. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, and this was something that at some point I had to switch off and just say, look, you're doing all the best. Like you, 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 you showing what are you doing and you are mm -hmm. giving the opportunity to people to, to do it, you know? Some people yeah. are not in the right mindset. People also, everybody's yeah. struggling, right? Everybody's struggling with yes, yes. So many things, you know, as family members, it's like, oh, I cannot travel That's or right. you know, work, and 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 I I get that too. But it can I cannot let that affect me. And I was like, okay, man. So look, look at all you are. I'm teaching now, like Very you said, important. people all over, people who wants to go, they will go. Now it's, it's, it's just, and then I made a parallel between how so many people were not even a matter of space or a matter of time. It was mm -hmm. just that it was a turn off, you know? And That's then I right. made the parallel. Yeah. Was it because they never really had uh, the habit of training yes. on their own, you know, and enjoying? Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, I had phases in my development. I was like, really enjoying training on my own and discovering stuff that is, you know, because yes. I, I say to my students, you will, there are stuff that is staring you right in your face and you're never going to mm -hmm. see it because you're just not looking for it. You yeah. know, so it, for me to have this possibility of training with somebody, you know, and be able to correct mm -hmm. the guy who's in the other mm -hmm. side of the world in real time, mm -hmm. I find like, man, this, this is a blessing, you know? Oh, but, oh, totally. But it, it, you it, said it, something. What? You said something that you said something really important there that I said this on Saturday, Sunday. So yesterday, I spoke to my students about this, which is this. Uh, so there is value in finding your teacher because you want to learn something. So, for example, let's say uh, I want to learn uh, how to do. Um, uh, calligraphy, writing. Yeah, okay. I saw that you picking up this new. That's right, which is something that I love. So I want to learn, and I happen to fall in love with this style. So I want to look for a teacher that teach me that style. There is value there, of course. So if someone comes to me because they, you know, they they love acrobatics side of capoeira, the acrobatics that I can do. I'm not talking about this stuff, new stuff. There is value, but there's also value in a teacher that can show you things that you did not know you, you should be looking for. So this is really beautiful. What you just yeah. said there is exactly what you said. You're also going to show people, not just, oh, I can teach what you're looking for, but I'm also going to teach you things that maybe you did not know that you should be looking for, as if to say, 
oh, I can teach you how to write like that. But have you seen this? Have you yeah. seen this brush? Have you seen this type of ink? Have you seen this type of paper? Have you seen this other way of using your colors? And, and this sometimes needs the master to cut the randomness of you looking for things for yourself. So it's a combination of the, your own training that you're going to do by yourself, but it's also a combination of your teacher cutting some of this random time. Mm. And I always, I, I, I tell this story almost every interview that I have done and it's related to Mestre Hamus. And there's a story that I have with him that is so powerful. And it's a story that really proves randomness and how a teacher can cut randomness. So this was in England already. I think you were in that event. That was an event with Mestre Hamus. Okay. And uh, I was there and I played and I, you know, I thought I was, you know, doing well and everybody's clapping and everybody's saying, well done, this is beautiful, well done, you know, I was feeling good about myself, you yeah. know, and Mestre Hamus very kindly, very kindly, he's like a father figure and he said, I like the way you're playing, beautiful, I love everything, but you are doing too many bananators. He just said that gently. And then at, in that moment, I was a bit, you know, upset. but I upset because like, you know, but what? then I looked exactly what? And then I looked back and for some reason it was a habit at that time. Maybe, maybe it was only that time, but it was a habit. And I realized that I was every move and holding for long and that's off putting. And, and maybe if he never said that to me, I would have carried on for another Maybe I would still be doing that, or maybe I would mm. carry on for another two, three years without having someone that said, you know, think about what you're doing now yeah. because this is dangerous. And that's the power of a teacher cutting so many random moments that you would not pay attention for yourself, you know. Yeah. So there are things that we, we need masters that have navigated to a place and can tell us this map is a good map to start your journey. You know, this yeah. is a good map to navigate by. Uh, and there was something else that you said that I, I wrote here as well. Um, yes, which is how to not be affected by the, the student's journey. This is really important for us because sometimes I, I'm in a class and we have different things. We have someone who, this is dynamic, group dynamic. So someone is excited, someone is not, someone is full of energy, someone is not, someone is enjoying the class, maybe someone is not. Hopefully most people are enjoying the class or some are not. <laughs> which is fine because it's, it, that group's dynamic. Not everybody's going to be happy the whole time. That's not healthy. But anyway, we have to learn how to be sometimes, uh, how to lay a, a, a ground for everybody, but to not be affected by this because otherwise yeah. you start to be involved in all of that and yeah. it transforms what you're teaching. So yes. it's a really, it's a deep, it's a deep, um, it's a deep journey for us as well as teachers. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's it's all true, and uh, and uh, you saying this story about Mestre Ramos, <clears throat> and Mestre Ramos himself is an example of what dedication and hard work can yeah. transform a person. Because one of the memories that I have from <clears throat> Travessa Sangrense, where Mestre Peixinho had his academy, was to see Mestre Ramos as as a blue cord. You know, and the blue cord in Sanzala is more or less the same on on um, on Cordon de Ouro, but uh, yeah, he was the like he could not stretch. He could barely sit with his legs right. open. You know, so he was a guy that struggled mm. so much just to have flexibility. And I remember as a kid looking, wow, how how is he doing capoeira if he's that stiff? You know, and he's a guy yes. who you know is 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 a. Uh, 
a point of reference now on, you know, like he was yeah. playing, I saw him playing a couple of years ago at Banana's place at, you know, 60 and full of energy and, wow. you know, Mestre Hamza and somebody else already crowds the, the hood. <laughs> but uh, yeah. you also remind me of the story of Mestre Suasuna telling me about his, one of his first Mestres and how yeah. some lessons of the Mestres you, is going to take you 10 20 years to learn because he was I think mm. I, I don't remember specifically the name if it was Urubu or was a master that he followed for a while in the Hekonko and uh, he said that after spending six months with the master he said master like following the master everywhere he asked master when are you gonna show mm. me a special move yeah you know and the master looked at him and said you've been with me six months everywhere i go you would go so yeah you stay on the bar and you know you chuck into the friends and to the hardest as well so yeah if you haven't learned anything in the six months you should stop capoeira and, and, yeah. and, and Suasuna said that it took him like 20 years to understand what mm. you know, the match that's a powerful had. story yeah and and yeah, uh, so yeah. it, I, it, I think it, that story was with mess valdemar valdemar yeah yeah I think it was with Mess Valdemar, yeah. And, and uh, it was exactly about this thing, about the camar camaraderie, you know, that you, it's about... Yeah. It's, capoeira is more than just what you do in the hot, it's how you relate to, to the That's audience right. and how you, you build your friends along the way. And, and uh, Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and I think... Well, this, if you listen, if you... Go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, yeah. If you, if you read uh, the manuscript of Mess Pastinha, uh, you see in the writings, you see things that are obviously not related to what you do in the Horde. You know, there's so much to learn from the whole feng shui of the art form. You know, what happens. The idea that two people, that's one thing that I saw, just one small thing that I saw in um, in one of those vintage videos of Mess Bastinha. It's There was a moment where two people stand up from the same corner and they, they go like, come on, let's go and play. And they both go and play. And this is something that I remember in our time happened as well. Yeah. And then I just had a parallel thinking with that. And this idea of people just always playing from here and here, always like opposite side of the harder. And I yeah. thought, how beautiful. Yeah, we can just, me and you are sitting together and we can just get up and play. And that just shift. I mean, it's a small example, but they just shift my idea of the things, again, of the energy that is dominate, that is not just what you do inside the harder. It's, I mean, your practice begin at home, how you fold your clothes, how, I mean, this sounds very Zen, but in Capoeira, yeah. we have all of this. Master Jean Piquen was such yeah. a Zen master, the way he spoke, even the way he, even, even his integrity throughout his whole career. I always think I was like, my God, because I started so young, Obviously, you can look many phases of my life that I would have not done the same way because I had yeah. to learn. But people like Mejon Piquen, no matter what video you see from him, you just see that integrity, that uh, the teaching was there from the beginning. It's just incredible, yeah. you know? It's yeah. some real, real amazing stuff there for us to learn and to think, right, look at his career. For the 60 years, yeah. he, he kept these ideas together and it's just amazing. And the way he's playing, I, I think on a similar event when uh, Mestre Spiro Mirin was in Rio for the first time, Mestre uh -huh. Jean Piquiano was there. And Mestre Piquiano with this thing of like doing the hand, something that I, I passed oh, to my, my students. Yeah, yeah. And how he would hop, 
And I remember Mestre Boneco buying with him and, and like, you know, and did a mea lua and his mea lua follow right in, like he was so inside all the time and so strong yeah. moves and yeah, man, it's timing, like, it's, yeah. uh, it's amazing how the mind goes, right? We start talking about that's right. back in the day and, and you remember this yeah. and, and, and how the that builds up to, you know, to the now, to the moment that we are living now and, yeah. and you know, because it's a battle for the mind as well, there's so much, I've been saying this to my guys, look, there's so much uncertainty Yes, we don't have control mm. over and, and to focus on that, mm. it will take mm. you to one direction and, you know, having the, the time to train on your own, like what I'm going to do tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do my training, regardless of being, yeah. you know, I might as well go on Zoom or not, like yeah. this relationship yeah, with yourself. That's and, right. And, and because That's it's right. something that you control. That's I can right. That's oh, right. my back is hurting. I'm saying, okay, I'll, I'll do some stretches instead, but it's yeah. just like this I control. And so it, it gives you a different vibe. Yeah. And, and it has helped me a lot, you know, and, and doing the stuff that I have been doing, you know, like having the, 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 the students support you, you know, yeah. we, we did the GoFundMe page and it put me in a stage. Okay. So now I have my students helping me out. I have the government's helping a little bit. How is the stuff in Brazil? And we, we started this. I don't know if you heard about the Capoeira Solidarity thing that we started. We did a, a workshop with uh, Mestre Acordeon mm. and a few other masters. Yeah, I spoke that, yeah. Doing some mapping yeah. about, about the social projects in Brazil. And, and the, so it, it's, it's just trying to make new connections, you know, like through Capoeira, yeah. new people. And I've met... Through this project, I met a, a, a few old other masters that are doing amazing work. Like, I don't know if you came across uh, Mestre Pedrão Abibi. Is, I have not, no. He's the guy who, who did the film about Besouro. Is, is that, is, I know who he is. I do know who he is, yeah. yes, but I don't know the project he's doing right now. But I know well, who he right is, now yeah. he's he's just helping the old school of, of capoeira, samba, candomblé in, in, in Bahia. Wonderful. You know, right, and, and right. uh, so it like so it's important, I think, because what we can we cannot be present in the Hoda, but I can make this connection with him. I can yes. strengthen the connection yes, with support. you. You know, and, and yesterday I was, right. I was watching Mestre Ferradura as well, doing his music course in yeah. English yeah. And, and having Marcelo Finco there and, and uh, uh, Chisa as well, people that I come up, I say, okay, so like, this is what we need to, to really focus on. Like, Absolutely. What, what makes us feel yeah. strong and, and the mind vibrant to, you know, to when we yeah. come out of this, we come out of a better position, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. I mean, I know with another cliche when people say, what are you going to be like when you come out of this? But if you really take this on board, it gives us some hope, some some um, inspiration to come out of this better. And you said something that, that again, is, it, is being very important for me at the moment because I also being very blessed. My, my students are so supportive, so supportive. I, it really makes me feel quite humble. Uh, I'm taken by it's almost like still surprises me the way they they give me so much you know they 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 practicing they are in classes and they they have they're very supportive and that also gives me 
for me, one of the most important things, which is my responsibility towards them. And I think that responsibility in my practice, in keeping myself, you know, is the least that I, for, for, for goodness sake, the least that I can do is to improve myself and improve my ways of improving people, yeah. um, improving their practice, I mean, not people, but improving their practice. Yeah. Because it's responsibility. And responsibility, contrary to what some people may think, responsibility is what brings us joy in our in our journey. As soon as you're being more responsible with what you're doing, with your with your discipline, with supporting others, there's so many areas of this, you start to realize that actually that gives you so much joy, so much happiness. And then it becomes a snowball effect that you want to do more. And then people yeah. appreciate what you're doing more because it's now you're being responsible for what you're doing. And the other thing I say to my students as well, if you're going to spend time doing capoeira, so we do and they do, you know, you're going to be away from your loved ones. And even if it's just an hour while you're training, the least that you can do, the least that you can do is to be responsible for that. Because if you are going to spend some time away from your loved ones to do something, but if you put responsibility in your practice, guess what? That, that comes back to the environment around you. People like that. People yeah. look at you differently. You're teaching them lessons. So sorry, we got, my computer crashed. So we got, ah, beleza. we lost the, the chain of thought. But you were you were about finishing the the. I don't remember what you were talking about. You remember? I think, I think I was just saying how I was thinking. I was just saying how when we have responsibility to our practice and our not just us as team but the students, how that is important to everybody because even people around you benefit from your relationship to your practice. People benefit from that. It's a nice energy that is sent out through your family, to your loved ones. You know, it's, it's how we, it's actually how we improve our environment is by adding responsibility to our practice. That's what I was. Yeah, it's true. I, I mean, you know, I, I, a while ago I was looking into, you know, my whole, place within my group and you know group Sanzala being a group that is you know old and my father had a role into it and and looking at the example set by my father you know that was somebody who who never financially depended on capoeira but that loved capoeira yeah. so much and and oh, the reason that he yeah. he loved he told me something that marked me as, even as a young kid he said I I have such a respect for capoeira that I don't mm. want financially depend on it. So that relationship might change because when the survival of my family depends on, on capoeira, that relationship might change. Yes. And if I can, I avoid, I, I, I will, you know, and that really marked yeah. me and is, is something that I do, you know, not struggle, but I'm constantly thinking of like, Yes, 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 yes. Being yes. truthful to Capoeira and being truthful to the training and, and, and remembering everything yes. that Capoeira mm. has given me, but at the same time yeah. prioritizing the family, the work, you know, so it's it's a it is a fine balance. And he was somebody who worked nine to three, had yeah. a nine to five, uh, yeah. uh, trained Capoeira, you know, for yes. like run he used to be doing crazy oh my god athlete yeah yeah i remember yeah. all of that 
you know, he would run <laughs> 18Ks five days. I mean, he yeah. made mistakes as well. You know, he, he had the first knee surgery, yeah. the same doctor that had Zico knees operated. Wow. But, but, but uh, he was also looking to the training on new methods, looking at new things. And so this has always been a, a, yeah. a source of inspiration. And, you know, people, oh, I have kids. So he had kids. He was a father. He would train. He would teach two times a week, not that, more, not that very often, sometimes three times, but he had his commitment to his training, either in the morning, on the Sunday after lunch, yes. you know, and he had this thing. So Always. If, if like, his nutrition. Yeah. <laughs> constant nutrition. Yeah, he was always eating it's, it's, uh, and slowly as well. And, uh, and uh, so uh, yeah. my point is, if he managed to do it and he has set the bar, high the least i should do is very much so. is try to get close to that but uh, that's and, right and that's i right. try to explain to this to the students but at the same time knowing that look your relationship with capoeira is fine capoeira gives how much you give yes you know so it's uh, you cannot expect right. more than you are getting if you're not giving and that yes. is this you know it depends on what you want but uh mesh ponciano yeah such a pleasure having this this conversation with you on this afternoon oh, amazing amazing and and uh just show me how much time we yes have. i really really am very very happy you know but let's 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 yes. do this let's let's strengthen this let's get to you know whenever we want i think there's so much we absolutely can absolutely about and so much interesting stuff and experience and and thoughts and ideas we can share, but also just to yes, we are literally two hours away from each other, more or less, two or three hours, and uh, and uh, you know our kids saying yes, man. Now we have to yeah. absolutely. I definitely want to make this connection. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, everything that we spoke about and and all of these things that from from very young that we know each other, and I think we're in a good place now in our our not so young because it's hard when they're toddlers it's, it's, it's hard yeah, so now we're in a good place where we can <laughs> that we can we can we can start to make this bridge again it's something that i definitely would like my students to also experience because also i'd like to finish also by saying how there's immense value in have someone at your caliber of your caliber here because the history that you know and you have from Group Sanzale, from Capoeira, from Rio de Janeiro at that time, it's really beautiful, really powerful. And it's, it's really good also, not just for what's happening now, but also for historical content for people to study, to get to know the style, someone that we can talk about. I tell my students often, like, for example, for Cordon de Ouro in Europe, we have someone like Master Boca who has so much content on how what was happening inside Master Suna's academy, you know, uh, obviously, I for 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 Ratinguetá, for Master Bocahica in in terms of Master Asuna's inside the the mind of the school at the time, and you know that as well. So I think it's going to be a beautiful coming out of all of this for us to meet and for us to do some classes that are also yeah. touching upon this beautiful historical context that we have in terms of yeah. oh this person this mastery, you know. So I would like to do something later that also invoke this energy of the past, but bring into the, to our classes now. For sure, for sure, it will be a pleasure. You yeah. know, I, I, I think I own you. 
uh, uh, presence on a couple of events. I remember a few years there was a couple of events I couldn't make. There's one that I tried to make, then was such bad traffic, I had to turn back. Yeah. And and I know that you are a, a very you know busy guy. People say, oh, but Ponciano is so hard to get. And I was like, and I'm thinking, oh, I I actually I am on a on a on a deficit with him because I I should have. We're gonna make it happen. Events, but We're let's make, make it happen. happen. Absolutely. Honestly, such a pleasure. Always great conversation. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for your time, man. And keep well. Obrigado, and let's, thank you so much. Anytime you want to do this again, it will be a pleasure. Love Absolutely. You. Have a wonderful weekend. Obrigado. Yeah. that was it guys I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Mesh Ponciano as much as I did he's such a great character a good friend and uh, just before you go I want to make a little mention about Capura Solidaria and uh, you know apart from the album which one of the songs you're listening on the background right now we have a couple of uh, Christmas gift ideas you know we have uh, a memory game with the profile of the you know 24 Capoeira Mestres, the most famous we could, you know, put it together. Some from our group, some from other groups, some older masters who are not around anymore. And you know, it's a basically, it, it's a basic memory game. You know, you have the profile pictures of the different masters and you have to match. And, you know, the other one is a, a coloring book, you know. All these products you can download from our website, will be available soon. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great gift for you, you know, if you are a Capoeira teacher and you want to, you know, be an ambassador of our, pro of our project, you can, you know, reach out to the parents of the kids you teach and, you know, say that what we're doing and, and help us promote. So we are looking out for Capoeira Solidaria Ambassadors and if you'd like to be one, just drop us a line in the comments or send me send me an email to pedroatsanzala.co.uk and we can make this uh, uh, change together and uh, I'm really excited about this project it's really growing I'm reaching out to all my Capoeira friends send them the, the, the album for them to listen talking about the project so they can also talk to their students about the project and, uh, you know, it's, it's about connection. It's about giving the community of Capoeira an awareness of what we can do, where we are, you know, and, and I, I see a massive potential there. So I'm really excited about this. But that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Until the next episode, don't forget to leave your comments and subscribe. I share. Oh, 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 oh.